Hey, just a quick note from Pastor Andrew before we begin. We experienced some technical difficulties when recording this sermon, so the second half of it is completely dropped off. We determined that it would be better to upload it as it is rather than not upload it at all. Uh, so feel free to listen to it, and I pray that you get spiritual benefit from it. But the second half of the sermon just isn't there, so it cuts off kind of awkwardly. We are here in the book of Ephesians. We are finishing up Ephesians chapter 4 today, uh, and we're going to be starting Ephesians chapter 5. And it's, it's important at this point in the book of Ephesians to stop and review where we've been. Because if we don't stop and review where we've been, we can be tempted to think that this is, that this is all the book of Ephesians is about. To go ahead a little bit, we're going to be talking this morning about some very specific principles on how you should treat your neighbor, how to love your neighbor as yourself. But I don't want anyone in this room to be confused and miss the point that it's more than that, right? You can go to any house of worship, whether it's liberal Christian, whether it's conservative Christian, whether it's Buddhist, whether it's Jewish, whether it's Muslim, whatever it is, you can walk in any sort of secular club and they will tell you that you should love your neighbor as yourself. That is not specifically a Christian or a Presbyterian thing to do. But what is specifically Christian is the story of how God loves us and how God came to change our lives. See, if all I did this morning was tell you that you need to be better people, you would leave this morning discouraged because we cannot be better people. We just can't be. The problem is so much deeper than that. The problem goes back all the way to Adam and Eve, back to the sin and the brokenness and the rebellion that entered this world because of them. It goes to the very bottom of our hearts. And so we as people need to be changed, even as God is changing the creation around us, even as he's restoring everything. And it's only in that big process that we just were kind of along along for the ride for. It's only in that process that we put these commands that we're going to read today. So just to review to this point, first, we learn in chapter 1, and this is big, broad brush strokes. Chapter 1, God has a plan to unite everything in Christ. This world is broken. It doesn't work like it's supposed to. Adam and Eve brought sin and death into it. And God, in his wisdom before the foundation of the world, has a plan to sum everything up in Christ, to bring everything under the Bible words in Ephesians 1, to bring everything under his headship, to fix everything in and through Jesus Christ. And as we keep reading in Ephesians chapter 2, we learn that Christ is making a people underneath his headship. First half of chapter 2, we learn how we as individual sinners can be forgiven, but not just forgiven, made alive in Christ. We share in Christ's inheritance with him. In the second half of chapter 2, we learn that God is making a people. No longer are we Jews and Gentiles, right? We Gentiles, I'm assuming we all are, at least most of us are separated from the people of God, or we would have been except we are, we are brought near together into one people of God, one body in and through Christ. And so God is at work in us to bring about this new creation. 
In chapter 4, what we've been talking about for the last several weeks, we are being built up into a new humanity, into this people of God. We heard last week from Pastor S.J. that this new humanity that we are, we're supposed to put off the old clothes that we used to wear, all of the things that we used to do, and we're supposed to put on new things. Not because we have to please God in this way, not because that's how we get saved or get into heaven or anything like that, but we are the new humanity, and we should wear clothes that befit this new people of God. We are to build each other up into maturity. God has given us different gifts so that we can go from being like a baby to being an adult, to matching the image of Christ. So with all of that in mind, I know that's a very brief summary of the book of Ephesians. I hope that, um, as I challenged you at the beginning of the series, that a number of you are still reading through it so that you're still gathering and, and grasping this book as a whole. But it's only after understanding all of those things that we can get to where we are this morning. That's why Ephesians 4.25 begins with the word, therefore. We mentioned this a few weeks ago, but whenever you see the word therefore, you have to see what it's... Oh, come on, you guys know this. You have to see what it's there for. You have to look back to see what it's pointing back to. So because of all of these things, therefore, each of you must do all of these things. But before we get to the end of chapter 4, let's start in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and take a look at those. Follow God's example, therefore, there it is again, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. A few weeks ago, when we looked at the end of Ephesians chapter 3, we had an entire sermon that focused on the ways in which God loved us. Right? We talked about that love that surpasses knowledge. There are loves that we know about, that we can grasp. Right? We can understand being kind to our neighbor up to a point. Right? The illustration I use is that if someone's in front of you in line at the grocery store and they forgot their wallet, you might buy their groceries for them if it's 20 or $30. But if it's $150 or $200, you're, you're probably going to pass on that. You say, oh, I'm so sorry that you forgot your wallet at home, but God be with you as you go home and get it, and I'm sure it'll be, sure it'll be great. Right? There's a limit to it. There's a limit to love that we can understand. There even is, in the love that we can understand, extraordinary love, Right? We think of a soldier who dives on a grenade to save his comrades. We think of those men who went into Chernobyl reactor as it was melting down in order to save millions of innocent people, risking their own lives to do so. That's an extraordinary love, but it's still a love that we can understand. But people of God, the love God had for us is so much greater than that. It's a love that we cannot understand And the illustration I use, and I'm going to go back to it, is if in an alternate universe Osama bin Laden had been captured, he was brought back to the United States for trial, he was sentenced, of course, to death, because, of course, he would be. But instead of of that happening, a firefighter from September 11th, served in the Twin Towers, offered to sacrifice himself on behalf of Osama bin Laden. That kind of love doesn't fit any of our categories, does it? 
That kind of love is a love that surpasses knowledge. If that happened, we would think that this guy is insane. We would think that someone was threatening his family. We would ascribe every motivation to him except love. But that is the way in which Christ loved us. Romans 5 tells us that while we were the enemies of God, while we were in rebellion against him, Christ died for us. He loves us. Christ was our atoning sacrifice. The last little phrase in Ephesians 5, 2 says that Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Those words are pulled from one of my favorite books of the Bible. They're kind of all my favorite, um, but a very good book of the Bible. Uh, Leviticus. Anyone's favorite book, Leviticus? No one? You guys are missing out. Let me, allow me to read this passage from Leviticus 1. This is at the very beginning, so we're just going to start and read the first nine verses. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He said, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When anyone among you brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering an animal from either the herd or the flock. Right? You can bring... You can bring a cow, you can bring a sheep, you can, and it kind of gives instructions. I'm going to leave some things out. Verse number three. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you are to offer a male without defect. You must present it at the entrance to the tent of meeting so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. You are to lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on your behalf. Catch this. It will be accepted on your behalf to make atonement for you. You are to slaughter the young bull before the Lord. And then Aaron's sons, the priest, shall bring the blood and splash it against the sides of the altar at the entrance to the tent of meeting. You are to skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priest, are to put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. Then Aaron's sons, the priest, shall arrange the pieces, including the head and the fat, On the wood that is burning on the altar, you are to wash all the internal organs and the legs with water, and the priest is to burn all of it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Those are the same words as in Ephesians 5. An aroma pleasing to the Lord. And the idea was, in the Old Testament, when they would bring this sacrifice to the temple... That the sins of the people would somehow in some way be symbolically transferred onto the head of this cow. Well, technically be a bull because it has to be a male. It would be transferred onto the head of this bull, onto the head of this ram. And they would sacrifice that animal on the altar in order to satisfy God's wrath. The smell... If you've ever been to a barbecue, you know what smell we're talking about. That smell, that sweet aroma goes up to the Lord. It pleases God. Now we know from the book of Hebrews, and we're not going to get hopefully too much on a rabbit trail of this, but we know from the the book of Hebrews, excuse me, we know from the book of Hebrews that they would offer these sacrifices over and over and over again. And the reason they would do that in the Old Testament 
is because the blood of a ram or a bull or a goat could never take away sins. What it was in effect doing was looking forward to the day, and maybe they didn't know this at the time, but it was looking forward to the day when a perfect sacrifice would be made on their behalf. And Christ was that perfect sacrifice. He was the lamb without blemish and without spot. He was that perfect offering. We didn't have to keep offering him because his sacrifice was perfectly acceptable for us. Ephesians 5.2, Christ gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. It is my prayer that every soul in this room knows that sacrifice. You can listen to the culture. You can listen to some people who will call themselves Christians. And you will hear the false gospel that you're fine just the way you are. That you don't need any outside help. You know, we're just going to get together and we're just going to kind of be good people and then we're going to glorify God by that. Friends, that is a lie. The gospel tells us, the Bible tells us that we are all sinners. We are born that way and we all, in and of ourselves, need to be completely changed. We need to have our sins forgiven. We need to have the offering of Christ to be that sweet-smelling, the sweet-smelling, sweet-savory smell on our behalf. We need that. Otherwise, we have no hope. And Christ is that sacrifice. Do not be overcome with the delusion that you are good enough. Because none of us are. I'm not. Being a pastor doesn't absolve me from any guilt. I need Christ. I need his sacrifice on my behalf. That is the way in which Christ has loved us. So when Paul in the book of Ephesians tells us to walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us, he's calling us to a high standard. He's calling us not to exercise the kind of love or not just to exercise the kind of love that we would show to our neighbor up to a limit. He's calling us to exercise the kind of love that Christ had for us. An extraordinary love, a radical love, the kind of love that would bring someone to die for their enemies. We are to love in the same way. Ephesians 5.1 uses the word imitators. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. All of you in this room have been children, even if not all of you in this room have had children. All of us have you know, had the experience of growing up. And I think all of us know just what it means to imitate your parents, right? We, we all have that experience. Some of us, right, growing up, we just, we just take on naturally how our parents act. Because we spend so much time around them, a lot of our subtle mannerisms become like our parents, Right? I, I know I've had this experience. Maybe you've had this experience. I've said something in a certain way, and a friend of mine said, you know, you said that just like your dad. I think, I think SJ's said that to me multiple times. She's nodding. I have. And I'm, I'm not trying to do that, right? 
It just happens. We as children naturally imitate our parents. We become like them. You ever get a good look at my son? Uh, he's even though he's hidden away a lot of the time. He has this thing where he glares at people and things. He just furrows his brow like this, and he comes by it honestly. That's something I do. If I ever look at you like that, it doesn't mean I don't like you. It's just how I look at things, right? My dad does that too. He comes by it honestly. He imitates me as I imitate my father. We become like our parents. That happens sometimes passively without us trying to. Sometimes it happens intentionally. Right? This happens normally when there's, when there's little, little kids. Right? Pre-puberty, seven, eight, nine in there. You'll have, you'll have the little girl who grows up uh, or who you know, is looking ahead to her mommy and she wants to be just like mommy so she'll get into all of mom's makeup and all of her jewelry and strut around in her high heels and just totally make a mess of everything. She doesn't improve her looks at all, right? But she thinks that she's beautiful because she wants to be just like mommy. There's a little boy who, who looks at his parents who go off to work every day, and maybe he dresses up and carries around a briefcase, and he has no idea what his, you know, what his parents do. You know, maybe his dad's an insurance salesman. He doesn't know what insurance is, but he wants to be just like his dad. So he, he dresses the part, puts on his dad's shoes, struts around. That's what kids do. They look up to their parents. They want to be like their parents. And so we, as the people of God, as God's dearly beloved children, are to imitate him. Looking back to, again, the first couple chapters of Ephesians, we see in Ephesians 2 that we were once the children of disobedience. We were once far off. But God has adopted us into his family. We have been called by name. From before the foundations of the world, God predestined us to adoption. He said, I am going to choose you. I am going to bring you into my family. I am going to bless you as I would bless children. And so we, though we have no natural right to claim to be God's children, God has brought us in anyway. He has loved us anyway. We are his rightful sons and daughters. So we, as dearly beloved children, should imitate our Heavenly Father and his love for us. Just as the little girl puts on makeup and jewelry and high-heeled shoes to pretend that she's her mother, so we should imitate our Father. We should love in an extraordinary way. Paul here gives a number of things um, finishing out Ephesians 4, kind of going back to that previous section. Finishing out in Ephesians 4, he gives five really practical ways in which we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Ways in which we can love each other as God has loved us. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on each one of these. These are, these are examples of ways in which we can be gracious to each other. The important thing here is that we don't lose why we are doing these things. We're not doing these things in order just to please God. It's not just because, oh, you're a Christian, so you're supposed to do these things. We, as God's children, are to imitate him in his love for his people. God loves the people who are around you. So we, as well, should love the people who are around us. First thing, verse number 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. 
for we are all members of one body. Right, the body of Christ. Christ is the head of that body. We are all members of it. We are all body parts. Right? Some are the hand, some are the eye, some are the foot. We don't all have the same function, but we are all united into one body. So because we are members of each other, because we're part of each other, we shouldn't lie to each other. Don't say untrue things about yourself to other people to make yourself look good. That tears down the body. Don't say untrue things about a brother or sister in Christ because it tears down the body. Speak truth, not falsehood. Verse number 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. This verse is a little complicated. Be angry, but don't sin. Right? Isn't, isn't anger a sin? Isn't that something that we all think? Well, the answer is not, not necessarily. It depends what you are angry about. We know that God is a God of anger. Right? In Ephesians 2, we've learned about the wrath of God poured out on the sons of disobedience. There are things in this world that should make us angry. Right? When we read about child abuse, when we read about natural disasters, those things should bother us deep inside of our soul. There's things that should not make us angry. Right? A referee job in a basketball game should not make you angry. Your wife overcooking your food should not make you angry. Be angry at sin. So we can be angry without sinning. 